Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Heidi. Happy birthday to you. Yes, yes, it is my muse's birthday today. Thank you very much for that call in, Colin, and giving uh, my lovely lady wife a wonderful serenaded happy birthday. And I'll say it here, too. Happy birthday, Heidi. I doubt you'll listen to this episode today, but maybe I'll ask you to just so you can uh, hear what people have to say. Um, I absolutely appreciate Colin calling in and doing that. It was uh, very, very nice and uh, exceptionally well done. As for Random Screed itself, I guess, I am Jason Hobbs. It's November 16th. A Friday, 2018. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. Dave Bresson here. Hobbs, two hours of sleep? You're crazy, man. Crazy. Have a good one. Bye. You are exactly right, David Bresson. I have learned something. It's weird to me because even just at the last con I was at, I mean, I did the same thing. Slept for two or three, three or four hours, maybe a night. So what happens is, is I stay up late and game. Let's take GaryCon, for example. Uh, We were up until midnight easily. I was running games from 8 until midnight, maybe sometimes 10 until 1. But then I always get up in the morning and go to breakfast with... Uh, Hoffman, who was a very early riser, but he goes to sleep, he goes to bed at 8, 9 o'clock when we're normally just going to start running our pickup games. So it's not a lot of sleep happening. And at uh, Game Hole 2018, it was even exacerbated more than normal because it was the first night, Wednesday night, and I did not have a hotel room. I stayed up late hanging out with everybody and then uh, got to sleep with the guys who put me up for the night. Uh, The Minneapolis crew, Julian... Trevor, John, and uh, Clint, and it was nice, but at the same time, I mean, I fell asleep. It was 2 in the morning, and then I was up showering by 4, 4.30, and downstairs sitting in the lobby by 5, waiting for Saul's Weedle to pick me up. So, exactly. Come on, man. Go back to sleep. Roll over. Shut your eyes. Count sheep like Baggio Gar's sleep spell. <laughs> Uh, anyway, as always, Bresson, thanks again. It's three in a row, bro. Wow, Ivy, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I haven't listened to that first episode in quite a while. And I'm not actually positive if it's the first one or the first one that came through since the big uh, overhaul at Anchor. I think there were some shows that got lost, but maybe not. I don't remember because at first I wasn't really preparing to publish them as a podcast. And so I was just doing them. So maybe some of the ones I'm talking about don't even exist. Regardless, Happy Whisk, it is such a fine, fine thing to know that uh, you're listening and probably telling Tim everything what I'm talking about because I know that guy is a little slow and often confused. Hey, don't do, don't do too many dishes. Don't do too much house cleaning. We need some more videos on uh, making air toast or whatever that was. <laughs> Seriously, though, thanks again for calling in, Ivy. I really appreciate it. I hope you keep doing it. Maybe check out some of the other podcasts. I'm pretty sure you already uh, listened to Spike Pit, so that's the best of us. I don't know how much we can all compare to that. 
Regardless, I appreciate it. Thanks, and talk to you soon. Hi, Jason. Carl here, calling from Boston. Um, It's supposed to snow tonight, by the way. Just wanted to uh, respond to your, I don't know if it was a complaint, but your comment about us not plot hacking in Kalmata. I think we just get caught up in the minutiae, you know, or in, I don't know, really uh, trivial stuff, right? Like the spear thing, the dog thing, the ladder thing, instead of concentrating on the game. And maybe it's just lack of survival that doesn't give us enough time to think about what our characters are going to do next. Anyway, just a thought. Bye. Thoughts are good, and I love hearing them. Thank you again, as always, for calling in Carl. Is this too many thank yous? Can you have too many thank yous? I don't think so. You can have too many sorries, like if you're Canadian, Steve C., Alec, Alessandro Bertolucci, Greg Gillespie. But thank yous, I don't think so. So uh, I think that there is an aspect of that that is true. I do believe that the fatality rate or the mortality rate makes it more difficult to uh, vest in the character. And I've heard that from multiple people. I'm not sure I buy it, though. It's better to lived and been slain horribly by jumping down a cliff to escape crab centaurs than it is never to have lived at all. That's what I'm saying. I think you guys know what I'm uh, talking about. Can you read what I'm writing down? (laughs) Seriously, though, um, yes, the mortality rate is higher. The fatalities in a BX game, especially mine, are pretty high. Uh, But that's not always my fault. Yes, it is dangerous. I do think that there is a particular style of play that uh, the mechanics and the aesthetic of a game will push forward. Like most people are going to play Carricks and Warriors because they survive longer. But even when they do, or even if they don't, you know, you can still make a mark with that character. You can still get involved from the get-go. I say in Kalmata specifically, anything the player knows, your character knows because he's heard it through rumor. So even if your other character died, you have been playing in the game for a long time, so you can make motivations and decisions based on you, the player, and what you, the player, want to do. And just make the character be the type of character that can go with what you want to do. It's a... uh, Maybe it's a pro and a con to old-school play and the style of uh, this BX drop-in, drop-out game. Either way, without having some motivation for something deeper or grander than, hey, I want more gold for more XP, and then I can go up in levels, but I never really do anything but want to have more gold for more XP. You really should have motivations, and these are all player slash character driven they're not driven by the gm because that uh takes away player agency right i want you guys to be able to decide what you want to do and i'd really like to increase the player base i think that we've fallen into a certain way of playing that i would like to change there's enough people now in the kalmata community that we could get way more games and way more varied players in those games and i think that would be a good thing um running it at the cons and having more people involved in it brings up new and interesting takes on old and stale ideas so as always thanks for calling in carl
Hi Jason, I've Ed here. Uh, been listening to your recent random screed, uh, enjoying it as always. Um, but just wanted to call in and and mention that language in RPGs. Uh, this is something that I probably struggle with more than um, certainly my brother and other members of our group. Um, I've never been a reader, so my vocabulary is not as good as some of the others. Um, I do find that they use sometimes when describing rooms some sort of building references um, or construction references that I'm not always sure exactly what they're talking about I have to ask or something um, and the whole theatre of the mind for me I do struggle to work out and understand exactly what people are saying sometimes and that's why I always use sort of visual things um, like Roll20 and that but anyway, cheers Jason Hobbs, it's me, Colin, Spike Pit. Really enjoying your energy, man. Um, great last episode. I think your speciality seems to be picking out these interesting topics. This choice of language is something I've struggled with. Anybody who plays with kids will know they just don't know the same amount as words as adults. And um, sometimes that's going to be a problem. So playing with kids, you've really got to pick your words carefully. And also you can running into struggles with tropes recently i've probably mentioned this but my sci-fi game was playing stay frosty and uh, the younger ones just didn't know the tropes they didn't get the marine thing so you can come unstuck there also but definitely take time explain these things i totally agree catch you later mate and there you go to wrap in the call-in segment of the show the brothers green they both had some really good points and uh, maybe just adding some more emphasis on the topic itself. So I really think that we should consider our audience when we're running games and uh, thereby considering the language we use to be the senses of the players. Um, I don't know how accurate you are with my interesting and nifty little ideas on what I use for topics, Colin, but uh, I really appreciate your thoughts and praise on that subject. Um, So, yeah, thanks for calling in, guys. I hope you keep it up. Uh, I hope I answered any questions, if there were any, or added a little something uh, to whatever it is that you had to say. As always, thank you for calling in. All right, so it's Heidi's very special birthday episode of Random Screed, uh, but I don't really think you guys are interested in hearing that much more about Heidi than she is a saint with um, nearly infinite patience and has done right by me as well as any person in the world could. So hats off to you, Heidi. Thank you very much for being my wife, and happy, happy birthday. So, guys, ladies, girls, people, as I mentioned, I think a lot of cool things came out of GameholeCon that I could talk about. I don't really know what I would call this, but uh, I often mention aesthetic and style when we're talking about uh, games. So, (laughs) I had multiple people mention to me that... I run a very different BX game than what they expect. I think what they mean by that is 
I use tons of different things from different games that I've learned over a period of time. I have a new thing I'm calling, it's almost like an interlude. And uh, the first time I did it, it was right before the party. This is the first session of Come Out Alive at Gamehole Con. The party had made their way to Scourge Isle and uh, made their way, and they were moving towards their goal, which was a ruined lighthouse on a cliffside. They were moving through a saltwater flat, you know, full of rushes and tall, like, plants and flora. And uh, suddenly these giant ibis, you know, stretched up and I made a reaction roll, and they basically charged the group. And so I kind of went into this thick detail about these giant ibis with their legs easily six to eight feet tall and their bodies atop that as their wings outstretched as they came towards them, you know, salt water flying off of them, uh, the reeds and stuff being pushed aside as their bodies uh, made their way towards this road uh, that uh, the party was on. And then I decided, hey, let's take a few sentences of a piece. Why don't you tell us what you look like and something about your characters that, uh, you know, that we don't know or that you would like to emphasize and make sure we understand. And so they did, and it really... I feel like it really set a really cool image that all of us had in our heads uh, of the same scene. And that was pretty fantastic to me. I, in fact, I liked it so much, I did it for all three sessions. I did it for the first one, the second one, and the third one. I would say the third one was the most difficult one. I think there were a couple of players that were taken off guard by it a little bit. Uh, but in that game, I also had Eric Farmer, who is a self self-proclaimed OSR Jason, even though the dude it kind of has a better idea of the game mechanics of BX and why it's such a fantastic system than I do, I just kind of intuitively know that I like it and that it works well for me. He actually has studied it and decided from this extensive research why it's so fantastic. And I'm going to have him on Hobbs and Friends to talk about it soon. So there's a shout-out for Eric Farmer and what an awesome job he did with his character Yan, the caravan Man, it's not really caravan, it's like caravan or something. But anyway, I just found it really interesting uh, adding that kind of that DW Dungeon World or Power by the Apocalypse or just story game in general. It doesn't take over any narrative. What it really does is allow the players to have a better moment of describing their characters or avatars within the setting for other people to understand. More often than not, I've found it gives players an opportunity to get more vested in their characters just in that couple of minutes that they take to think about it. Most of them are just reading the three short things that I have added and saying what they're wearing. Uh, but some of them don't. Some of them really get into it. Oh yeah, we're in the Stoneheart clan. I should uh, kind of figure out what that means. Is there a sigil on the sword? Is it embossed on the uh, shield? You know, and uh, people really kind of got into it in some places. Not every place, but some places. And I think, I just think it really added something. So I'm asking you guys what you think. Do you use story game elements in your BX game, in your OSR game? Someone who uses very, very procedural, he's almost playing a board game, and that's the Hoff, Eric Hoffman. His and mine probably seems that way because I stole much of that procedure at the beginning of the game from him. So when we're talking about a procedural game and how the hex crawl works, what's going to happen, what your characters do or don't know, and where they're going to go from that, it's very procedural. As Forlorn Shores even more so, which it was you know intended because you have multiple GMs and players playing the same character 
with multiple GMs. So if you can have kind of a better overall consistent feel than you would in even like an AL game, because I've heard those are can drastically alter depending on the GM. But it's just kind of an interesting idea to make this very procedural aspect in the beginning of the game. And even like Relentless... Uh, the more I work on it or talk about it, I've definitely have people say, hey, this is a story game. Hey, this is a board game. Hey, this is an OSR game. Guess what? It's all of those things because I am going to try and take all of the things that I love out of all the different games that I've played or read and try and make the best possible thing I can, which is going to be what I really want to play, right? I mean, not only do we GM games that we want to play, we flipping design games that we probably want to play. So... I don't know. This is going to be a short one. Like I said, I uh, uh, had a lot of call-ins and really wanted to show my appreciation for uh, Mrs. Hobbs and Mrs. Hobbs's Gamerhood, which is a way kinder, gentler place than Mr. Hobbs's Gamerhood. It's better to burn out than to fade away.